And there are just, I mean, we know that there are more people in cities than anywhere else, right? I mean, people, their cities are huge. And we are a suburb of the city. And so Chesterfield County, uh, Chester Town, a lot of people, a lot of people here, right? Would you agree? And so there are lots of people here. And so God's passion is for people. And we live in a heavily populated area. So, you know, our, our mission, our vision is to reach as many people as possible for Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. We want, to, we want people to hear the life-changing message of the gospel. Our desire is for people to walk through our doors. They feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. That, that people walk through the doors no matter what their background, no matter what their history, no matter what their baggage, no matter what they, they've done. Man, if they can come into this place, that they can find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. I was talking to my neighbor just this past week, who lives across the street from me, and, and he was sharing with me about his church background and how he grew up in a church and in his church, they, pre- they preached hate. And they preached, you know, a message of hate. And, and I just said, man, that's not, that's not, that's not what it's about. It's, it's the message of the gospel, the good news that Jesus loves you and he created you. And he, and, he, and he wants the life for you. He said his wife has absolutely no church background whatsoever. I said, you guys need to come visit us. Come, come to Chester Christian Church. Come check us out. Come see what it's about. And so that's what we want. We want people to experience the, the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, the MOVE campaign is a tool for us to achieve that vision. And I believe that God is on the move here. I believe that he is moving us into some exciting times of, of ministry here at Chester Christian Church. The goal for the MOVE campaign is simple. It's to reduce the current debt load on our current building. Now, I said last week or two weeks ago, I said, I know that sounds exciting, right? I know you guys just get all geeked up about, uh, man, paying down debt on this building. But, but let me tell you why that is exciting. Because every dollar that is raised is contributed that is contributed to the MOVE campaign will be applied to the principal balance of our loan, which will lower the payment. So if we, uh, r- when we reach our goal of $350,000, right, then that means our $2 million debt is going to go down to $1.65,000. And that's good news. And what that means is it frees up money uh, every month to do ministry. Now, I'm happy to report to you this morning that our leadership here at Chester Christian Church have already committed almost $68,000 to the MOVE campaign. That's good. Praise God for that. Yeah. $68,000. So already, man, next week is Commitment Sunday, so we haven't even got to Commitment Sunday. still a week out, and your leadership uh, have already committed almost $68,000 to the MOVE campaign. And that translates into money that we can use to do ministry and reach more people with the gospel. And that's exciting. That's exciting. I want you to imagine the opportunities to minister to families and to to parents and single parents and children from around the community and impacting their lives with the gospel. I mean, we are surrounded by uh, local neighborhoods. We're surrounded by three major apartment complexes and and, and local elementary schools around around this area. We're already involved in Hyde Park. We're already doing ministry there. We're starting to build a relationship with them. We're starting to get plugged in. But can you imagine the opportunity for us to just be able to even just uh, get in there and even buy a unit to have, to where we do ministry out of, to where we can minister to families and do uh, outreaches and, and, and do uh, just kind of uh, get to know the neighborhood and get to know the families within the neighborhood. You know, we're already involved at Harrogate Elementary School. Man, we've got several people here that do mentoring there. Miss Taffy, who is one of the workers there, she's an awesome lady. And she shared with me just a, uh, about a month or two ago that every time there's a need that comes up at the school, she always immediately thinks of us first. She thinks of us first, man, because we're involved there and we're trying to make a difference and we're trying to uh, do that. Can you imagine, man, if we were able to come alongside of some of our local missionary partners, like Pregnancy Health Center of Chesterfield, 
Right, Vicky? How awesome would this be if, if, if you guys came to us and you said, well, we got a need. We really want to hire a, another staff position. We just really need a staff position. But we can't afford that. How awesome would it be for us to be able to step in there and say, you know what, here's the money. We'll pay for that staff position. How cool would that be? Yeah, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? How awesome would it be for us to go to Josh Smith, who is the campus ministry uh, at VCU, and Josh comes and says, man, I really need uh, this for our ministry. And Josh is doing amazing things up there at VCU, man. I'm telling you, he's doing some good stuff up there. And we were able to say, you know what, here's the money for that. We can help you with that. How awesome would that be for us to come alongside of our partners and to be able to step in the gap and provide for them? And see, the MOVE campaign is a tool to help us make much of Jesus in our community, and that's what we want to do. And one of the ways that, we can be a, that you can be a part of this MOVE campaign is through financial stewardship. Now, I recognize this morning that talking about money and stewardship can make some people feel uneasy, all right? If you're here and you're here for the first time, you may be thinking to yourself, oh boy, here we go, another church just after my money. You know, oh man, here we go, another, another, talk, another church talking about money. But, but hear me, don't, don't tune me out on this. Although we are in this campaign, I believe the message about generosity applies in all areas of our life, in all aspects of our life. It's about, it's about our hearts being changed, and we all need that. But the reality is, is that money and possessions have become such an obsession in our culture that people aren't really enthused about hearing what God's Word has to say about it. Talking about money is not popular. It's not listed as one of the, the most popular ways for, uh, to experience church growth. Hey, you want to experience church growth? Talk about money. You know what I mean? That's not, it's not, it's not one of the ways listed. But if we never taught on stewardship and giving, we would be guilty of withholding some of the biggest areas of benefit and blessings in a Christian life. Did you know that the Bible, the Bible offers uh, 500 verses on prayer? It offers uh, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but it offers 2,000 verses on stewardship and money. Did you realize that of the 38 parables that Jesus told, that 16 of the parables deal with the subject of money? When Jesus spoke on idolatry and on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, his only application was in the area of money. Where he says, Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So stewardship and how we handle our money is a reflection of our spiritual condition. And that's what I want you to see this morning. So how do we begin seeing giving generously as worship to God? Well, let's look at our text this morning, found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And just to kind of give you a little background about what's going on here, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth, I'm just going to be honest with you, man, it was a jacked up church. I mean, they had, you talk about having a church having some issues, man. You go back and you read through First uh, and Second Corinthians, man, you're going to see they had some massive issues in that church. And so Paul is writing to this church, and he's talking to them about this issue of giving. As a matter of fact, this is the longest passage in the New Testament about giving. And what he does here is he uses the Macedonian church, which is about, uh, it's north of Corinth. If you look on a map, it's north of Corinth. And he uses that church as a great biblical example of New Testament stewardship and giving. And it shows that God looks at the heart when we give. And I think we can learn some valuable principles to apply to our situation today. So starting in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, this is what it says. 
Paul writes, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of our God. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, by the way, just so you know that. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, I want to point out to you right off the bat that we learn from the Macedonian church is struggling. I mean, they are struggling. Paul says that they are experiencing some affliction. We don't know what that is. But he also says, man, they are going through deep poverty. But in the next breath, breath, Paul says that they have continued to provide financially for others in need. The key phrases in that verse is that they gave according to their means and then they even beyond their means, which means they gave regularly and they gave sacrificially. Regularly and sacrificially. So, so I want to take, take a moment here and I want to chat about this idea of tithes and offerings. Under the Old Testament law, the Israelites, the Old Testament law, by the way, is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's, that's what's called the law. And under, under the Old Testament law, the Israelites were required to give 10% of their livestock, of the land's produce, as well as their income, as a recognition that God had blessed them. I'm going to throw out some scriptures here for you. If you want to write those down and look those up later, you can. Uh, they're in, your, they're in uh, your favorite part of the Bible here, all right? Because I know you guys love the law, the Old Testament law. Leviticus 27, 30 through 32. Numbers 18, verse 21 and 26. Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29. Now, at the heart of tithing was this notion that God owns everything. Stewardship simply means that we are managers of someone else's property. Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now listen, I live with a four and a half year old and I live with a 16 month old and all I hear every day is mine. Right? Jude goes around the house and if Shepherd even looks at the toy, he says, that's mine. Yeah, that's my toy, this is my toy, this is my thing, this is my, mine, 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 mine. That's all I hear. And if we're not careful, man, even as adults, we can kind of slip into this mindset that, that what we have, what we've accumulated, is ours. But Scripture teaches us that even the very oxygen that we suck in day in and day out belongs to God. I want you to understand this morning that we are breathing this morning. We are breathing this morning because God has allowed us to wake up and breathe the oxygen that He owns. Everything is God's. Which means everything we have belongs to God, and He has entrusted us to manage it, what is already His. So you, you hear people oftentimes when they give the offering uh, at churches, they give the offering meditation, they'll say, God, it's just an opportunity for us to give back to you what is already yours. And that, that's the idea behind it. So the idea is we give to God first what is already His. Proverbs 3, uh, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And the Old Testament prophet, uh, the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, God says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there is no more need. Now, what's going on there in that passage in Malachi, man, if you, if you go back and read it, the priests were kind of doing some shady things. 
And what they were doing is they were going through their livestock and they were looking for animals that had defects. Hey, man, this, this, this lamb over here, he's got two different color eyes. Let's give that to God. Hey, hey, this, this, this goat over here, you know, it's got uh, one leg shorter than the other. Let's give that one to God. And so what they were doing is they were, they were, they were giving God their second best. And they were keeping the, the best for themselves. And God says, look, you guys, are, you guys are not doing the right thing. You guys are doing some shady things. And so he, 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 he gets on them about it. And God says, put me to the test. And in a sense, what he says is, test me and see how I will bless you for your obedience. Now, unfortunately, there are preachers and there are teachers who will preach this idea of health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. You guys familiar with that teaching? Right? There are, there are preachers that get up there, man, and they'll say, man, send us all your money. God wants to bless you, right? And then, and then the idea is, is if you send us all your money, then God's going to bless you and you'll have, uh, God will rain down beamers and benzes and all these things and you'll have the, the money and you'll live in the large house and you'll have all these things. All the while, while the preacher or, or whoever's flying in private jet planes or driving you a know, Mercedes or whatever the case is, I want you to know that, that after this campaign, I'm still going to be driving my little 08 Hyundai Sonata, all right? With, uh, with the broke, uh, broke AC and heat in it, okay? I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. So just, just so you know that. Uh, but we don't preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. That God wants you to be rich. We don't do that. God says, put me to the test. And the message is this. That God created you. That God loves you. That he knows what's best for us. Listen, the commands in the Old Testament are there for us, for our good, for our protection. I mean, anybody here with kids knows, man, that you have, we know what's best for our kids. And when we lay down rules for them, it's not because we want to hinder them. It's not because we want to squash their fun life. It's because we want them to have everlasting joy. We want them to have good times. We want that we know what's best for them. I remember, man, my mom laying down. I mean, I was like, man, you just cramping my style. And now I look back and I'm thinking, man, you knew best. You knew what you were talking about. And that's the idea with God. God knows what's best. God says, test me on this. Put, put your faith and your trust in me. Trust me with your finances. Give to me first. He is faithful. He will provide. He will take care of your basic needs. Now, I'm thankful this morning that I learned this principle early on in my life because my mom, my mom was a single parent. She raised me and my brother from the time I was two by herself on one income. And two boys, man, you know, you guys have how many boys? Five boys? Four boys? You guys, man, they, they eat like crazy, don't they? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so you know, and so see, me and my brother, man, as we were growing, we were eating more. I mean, I can remember eating like a whole box of cereal for dinner. You know, and my mom was like, what the world is wrong with you, boy? So, so here, here's what I'm, I'm saying, though. My mom was faithful in giving first to the church. She tithed regularly. I know she did that. And I can remember those times where, and I didn't know this until I was older, but, I, but there were times where she didn't know if there was going to be groceries for us. She, she didn't know if she was going to have enough gas to get to work. Or she didn't know, you know how, how we were going to make the ends meet. And every single time, man, that she was worried about that or she thought, man, what am I going to do? She was always faithful in paying, and giving her tithes, giving God first. And every single time, man, I kid you not, we would come home from some, somewhere and there would be a, a couple bags of groceries on our, on our, uh, on our porch. Or there would be a, a gift card. Or there would be something there. I mean, God always took care. He always provided. And what I want you to know this morning, man, is that God's not, it's not about making you rich. It's not about giving you this or that. But the way he may provide for you may be in unexpected ways. Man, your heat pump may last for another year. 
I'm telling you, man, our heat pump, we, we moved into the house, eight, uh, how long have we been here? Almost seven years ago. Our heat pump was on its last leg then. Seven years ago, and it's still running. You know what I'm saying? Every, we, we're praying. Oh, God, please let this heat pump. Yeah, it may be that your dishwasher doesn't break. It may be that your car passes inspection. And you don't have to, you know, break bills or whatever the case may be. God will provide. God takes care of us. Now, the question is, is tithing still required in the New Testament? And listen, it would be easy for us to just name a number. It would be easy for, for Jesus to have just given a new law. Jesus, why didn't you just come and you just say, hey, give this amount and that's good, man, you're all straight with God. Something we can just kind of check off the list and be done. But see, the problem is that Jesus doesn't give us a number. Jesus doesn't give us a number. Because the gospel is a revelation that God not only wants your obedience, but he wants your heart in the obedience. Throughout the gospels, man, we see that Jesus passionately pursues people's hearts because he wants people's affections. Matthew 6, 19, verse, uh, 19 through 21 says, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And see, what this does is this forms in us an understanding about how we use our treasure that God gives us and how it reveals the condition of our heart. Therefore, if you, if you want to know what matters most to you, just look at your checkbook. Look at where your money's going. And see, Jesus wants, us to, Jesus wants us to reveal with our money that our treasure is him and not this world. Jesus wants our heart. He wants our affections. So how much should I give? Well, before I answer that, Let's compare our hearts with the hearts of the Macedonians and see what they did. Because in the very next verse, chapter 8, verse 5, it says that they had surrendered hearts. They had surrendered hearts. The Macedonians show us more than just an example of giving, but they show us an example of living because it says that they gave themselves first unto the Lord and then to our ministry. See, our, our desire here at Chester Christian Church is for you to grow deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we have surrendered hearts to God. See, oftentimes what we want to do is we want to kind of dichotomize things. You know, we want to separate. You know, we want to put our life into different sections. You know, I've got my church life over here. I've got my work life over here. I've got my home life over here. I've got my play life over here. And we, what we do is we want to build these sections and kind of section off everything. I go to church on Sunday. But God's saying, nah, nah, I want everything. I, I, want you, I want to be Lord of your life at work. I want to be Lord of your life at home. I want to be Lord of your life at church. I want to be Lord of your life in your plan. I, w- I want you to surrender to me everything. Open hands, open arms. God, everything I have, I want to give to you. That's a work, man. That, that, that's a lifelong process. That's where the Holy Spirit comes into your life and begins to do work in you. I want you to understand that our primary concern is not about your giving. Our primary concern is for your relationship with Jesus. You know why that is our primary concern? Because we believe that if the gospel grabs a hold of you, that if you are changed by the gospel, the Holy Spirit is going to work in your life and the rest is going to follow. You tracking? Does that make sense? So our primary concern is not about you giving. Our primary concern is about your relationship with Jesus, about you being captured by the grace of God. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Chapter 8, verse 12, it says they had willing hearts. 
Listen to what Paul says. He says, for if the readiness, the willingness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. And then, and then in chapter 9, if you go over to chapter 9, it says that they had cheerful hearts. They had willing hearts, they had cheerful hearts. Chapter 9, verse 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. They had willing hearts and cheerful hearts. So it's not just giving or generosity that God loves, but it's a heart that has been transformed that delights in being generous. Okay, not, not being generous either reluctantly, oh, oh, I suppose I should give because that's what I'm supposed to do, or under compulsion because the preacher does a drive by guilting. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we don't give that We don't give that way. It's not what God is pleased by. It's not what God desires. He wants a heart that is transformed by love to, to, to give generously. Not just the action of generosity. The Macedonians gave willingly and cheerfully because they fully understood their giving as an act of worship to God they loved, who loved them first. It's like, think of it like this. We, we, we kind of practice this at our house. But if we tell Jude, my four-and-a-half-year-old, to go and clean his room, okay, there's a couple of responses he can give us. He can say, he can say I, I'm not going to do it. And if he says that, it's not going to go well for him, all right? Hey, or, or, or he could say, you know, I'll do it, but he, he could kind of stand, you know, stomp his feet, stammer, and, and he's kind of complaining, you know what I'm saying, doing that. And if he does that, we always pull him aside and say, listen, buddy, we understand, man, you may not always like what we say, but what you need to understand is this. You need to learn this now at this age, that God created you and that God put mommy and daddy in charge of you. And you need to listen and obey because we know what's best for you. And when we ask you to do something, it's not because we're trying to punish you. It's because we love you, because God wants us to take care of you. And we want you to go, and we want you to do things with a happy heart. Because I tell him all the time, I say, dude, you got a dirty heart. I mean, you guys may think that's, I'm serious. I mean, you got, and this is why, but Jesus wants to make it clean. Jesus wants to give you new life. And so he, he does that, man. I say, buddy, so we'll always add, Buddy, go clean your room and do it with a happy heart. Happy heart. And, that, and that's what he's talking about here. Do it with a happy heart. Um, finally, I want you to jump back to chapter 8, verse 9. And we could go through so many different things in this chapter, man, but for the sake of time, uh, we're, we're, we're going to uh, finish off here. But, uh, chapter 8, verse 9, I want you to see that the Macedonians had a grateful heart. And I love this. This is my favorite part in this whole section because I love what Paul does here. I love his approach here. I love what he does. He, 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 this is why the gospel is such good news. This is why the gospel is so liberating and freeing. Because you see, what Paul does here is he doesn't go to the Corinthians and he doesn't say, you know what, guys? I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. You need to give because I'm an apostle. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't use his authority. He doesn't throw his weight around. He doesn't go to them. He doesn't appeal to their emotions. He doesn't say, man, I want you to look at these pictures of the Macedonians. I want you to look at these starving kids. You know, you have an opportunity to help. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't appeal to their emotions and get them all sob story and do all this and that. He doesn't do that. But what he does is he vividly and unforgettably writes in verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, 
might become rich. Paul is reminding his readers of the grace of God by means of a powerful image. One that shifts Jesus' salvation to the realm of wealth and poverty. He moves their hearts through the spiritual recollection of the gospel. He points them to Jesus. He points them to Jesus. I love what Tim Keller writes. Tim Keller is a minister up in New York City, and he says, the gospel of God's grace doesn't try to bend a heart into a new pattern, but it melts it and reforms it into a new shape. See, the gospel produces new joy and love and gratitude in us. Paul says, I want you to think about the costly grace until the gospel changes you from the inside out, until it changes you into generous people. See, the story of God coming to earth and taking on flesh of a man is not a rags-to-riches story. It's just the opposite. It's a riches-to-rags story. It's willingly making the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. Why were the Macedonians so grateful? Because of Jesus Christ leaving heaven and coming to earth down a cross because of his love for them and for you and for me. And that's our motivation. Our motivation is because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of his grace and his mercy towards us. So back to the question, how much is enough? How much is enough? I can't answer that for you. I can't answer that for you, but for me and my family, it's when it begins to challenge our affections for things of this world. Because I'm going to tell you, man, growing deeper and deeper into the gospel means that you are giving your life more and more to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means less of myself, less of my agendas, less of my wants, less of my treasures here on earth so that I can show more of Christ and build up treasure in heaven. So here's the challenge. Listen, I recognize that everyone here today is at a different level of spirituality. Everyone here is at at different places in your walk with Jesus. And part of our purpose here, if you go out on our our foyer and read the wall, if you're looking at our program, part of our our, our purpose here is to disciple people in the gospel and equip people to share the gospel. We want to do that. We want to disciple you. We want to equip you. We want to help you grow in that process. So after many years of praying about it, scrubbing our budget, trying to decrease our spending. We recently, recently stepped out in faith and, and, and Robin cut back her hours at work. She works about five hours a week so that she can spend more time at home with our kids. That's been our desire since Jude was born. And I tell you, man, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a long process, but, but God has been faithful. I, again, while praying and talking about our contribution to this campaign, you know, we had to go back and we had to revisit the budget again. And it's not an easy thing to do, to see where your treasure is and then to agree to kind of give that up. You know, I have this, uh, I'm a very selfish person. I've told you guys that before. When we first moved here, it was so funny. I would go every morning, I'd go to Dunkin' Donuts, and I would get a bagel and coffee. And I had no idea. I mean, Robin is the finance person, right? She works in finance, she does all the budget stuff. When we first started dating and we were getting ready to get married, and she looked in my bank account and she said, she, I, she, saw, she saw where I had 20 bucks in the account. She's like, is that what you got in your account? I'm like, yeah. She said, uh-uh. She said, give it to me. And so um, I said, there you go. And so from, from that day forward, she's been taking care of it. So I go to Dunkin' Donuts, right? And then we get uh, the, the statements in the mail, and she would see it in one month. You want to know how much I spent? Didn't even know it. Didn't even know it, right? You just go in there, you're just doing it, right? 120 bucks at Dunkin' Donuts in one month. I, I see Mal's like, ugh. You know y'all do it too. Come on. Uh, yeah. 
Listen, so, so she was like, ah, okay, so, so I, was, I had to stop that, right? I had, had to kind of cut back, so, so now I make my own bagels at home, you know what I mean? But, but we had to sit down, and we, had, we had to walk through this process, you know? I, every, every month I get this discretionary fund, I get this, we call it, call it blow money. Uh, and that's probably not a good term for it, because that's, that's also blows, a drug, you know? So it's not, it's not what it is, it's just for me to kind of go out, <laughs> rewind, rewind. Um, anyways, it's for me to go out. So, but here's the thing, man. I've realized that, that, that each time, man, that, that it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's hard for me because I'm a selfish person. And I want to do things. My, and so I've had to cut that back, man, even more. And so we've sat down and we've looked at ways that we can cut back. But when you think about the lives that are going to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's, that, that, that makes a difference. It becomes easier. We will gain more of Christ. And I want to encourage you and your family to sit down this week. We, we provide a, in your program this week a family guide. I want you to take that family guide home with you this week. And I want you to sit down as a family. If you have kids, sit down with your kids, man. Begin teaching them this idea of stewardship, that everything, everything they have is given to them by God, that God owns everything. Have those conversations. Allow them to be a part of this campaign. Lynette has been giving out these, these canned things. Um, to your kids, man, we want them to go home this week and they want to put the change, their dollar bills, whatever they have in that, put it in this container, bring it back next week, and they're going to have an opportunity in our service to come up and to give to the MOVE campaign. That's going to be a powerful thing. So we want you to do that. We want you to pray together as a family what you are willing to sacrifice for the campaign. Now what we're doing is we're asking families to give above and beyond their regular tithes and offerings towards the campaign. So what that means is, is we don't want you to rob Peter to pay Paul. You guys familiar with that saying? Have you heard that saying, right? And, and basically what that comes from, as an expression that refers to the times before the Reformation, uh, when the church uh, uh, originally uh, had to pay taxes to St. Paul's Church in London and also St. Peter's Church in Rome. And originally it referred to neglecting the Peter tax to pay the Paul tax, right? And so what we're asking is, is I want you to think about it. i got this visual up here. Think, think of this Jenga thing here as, as a church, Right? And so what we're asking is, if you're already kind of giving tithes and offerings to the church, thank you for your generosity. I have no idea who gives here. I don't know. I know I give, and that's all I know, right? And, and so, so, um, so think, of, think of the Jing as a church, right? And so, man, if you're already paying tithes and offerings and you're supporting the church, man, general fund, we appreciate that. Don't take from your general fund. Don't say, well, I'll just take this, or I'll take, I'll take this. Because what's going to happen is, is you're going to, deplete, right, the general fund. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Was that a good visual or not? Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys for bringing that Jenga. Thank you. Um, all right. So, so that, that, that's what we're saying here, right? Um, so take the commitment card home with you this week. Take the family guide home with you this week. Pray together. Seek God's direction. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Listen, I know it's hard, man. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. We all have dirty hearts. We can leave here today, man, and we can say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't, forget this. I'm not doing this. You know? We can have that attitude. Listen, I know it. But we just got to allow the God, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. Change us. Think about the costly grace, man. Let that be your motivation. Secondly, the ch- second challenge is this. If you are here this morning and if you are not a regular tither, I would ask that you sit down as a family and you pray about that. Put together a budget. 
Not just another line. Don't, don't treat it as just another line item in your budget like a cable bill. But, 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 but think of, of your tithe and offering as an act of worship to God. Begin trusting God with your finances. Put together a plan. Do you realize that most Christians don't give because they don't have a plan for giving? We need a plan. Our son Jude is, is four and a half, and we, we began teaching him to have a plan for giving. We, we, we uh, bought this thing. It's called a moon jar. You guys familiar with that? And it has three things in it. And basically it's uh, uh, share, save, spend. Share, save, spend. It even came with a book. And so what we're teaching Jude is, man, that every time he gets money, he, gets, he puts some money in the, in the share slot, in the save slot, and in the spend slot. And we're teaching him the basics of finance and good stewardship because I wasn't very good at it. My wife is excellent at it. Thank God for her. <laughs> All right? And so, so we're teaching Jude those basic principles that will benefit him the whole, his whole life. So I want to encourage you, man, sit down and put together a budget. If you need help, man, we've got people here that can help you. We can help you with that. Um, but here, here's what I want to say. The ultimate measure of success for this campaign is not necessarily a dollar amount. Because like I said, we'd rather see hearts changed through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your hearts, in the hearts of people in our community. Because if hearts change, listen, if hearts change, then generosity is going to follow. The power comes from the Holy Spirit, who is constantly pursuing you, who is constantly pursuing me, and pursuing all of us to go deeper and deeper in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for what you've done for us, through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that your spirit would just continue to move, God, that we would just be so captured by what your son did for us. God, that we would just just be generous people in every aspect of our life. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every, every week we, we offer the chance for people, if they need prayer for anything, uh, we just want to invite you to come down and pray and have prayer. Uh, Arthur, uh, if you want to come down, buddy, and uh, stand over here, um, we would love for you to come down and, and have prayer. If you want to know more about what it means to place your faith in Jesus Christ, I would love to chat with you about that. And so uh, as we sing this last song, uh, we're going to do that, and then I'll instruct us what we're going to do from there. We're going to pray for an Nepal team. And, uh, and then we'll be done, all right? Thank you, guys.